Well, welcome everybody to Journey here on Wednesday nights. We're so grateful that you have joined us. Uh, we have an amazing panel, the OG Original Gangster panel tonight. We've got Dustin Double A, Anderson. Boo! Boo! <laughs> We've got Jeffrey Paul Rodriguez. Did they open the golf courses for you yet? Tomorrow, I think, is the big day. So, yeah. Really? Golf and stuff, or uh, what's the other one called? Oh, yeah, that's where my handicap's the best. So, <laughs> And then we've got all the way from the province, uh, western Afghanistan. Yeah, I'm there. <laughs> what time is it in your time zone? <laughs> I want to go to golf and stuff. It's fun. Hey, the people want to know, is, what is on that couch behind you? Is it a couch? That is a couch. It's a fur. Is there a, do they make that? Like, you get it from Costco, you, you know, you get the, the fur. Wonderful. Well, we've got a, an interesting passage that we're going to be going through tonight is Romans chapter 11. It's a really uh, long passage, a very complex passage, but I'm so grateful for these guys that I have with me tonight so we can go through it, uh, not only in style, but uh, in heart and in uh, hopefully some truth that, that will be applicable for all our lives tonight. But I want to know, what's your sob story, guys? Have you ever been rejected? And what, what happened? I want to know the details and what did you do? Let's hear from you, Dustin. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't always the champ in life. So I can remember back uh, when I was a young buckaroo, I wanted to play basketball. So I had all these cool friends, and I remember them picking teams to play basketball on our very small court in elementary school. And I wasn't, say, the I was correct proportion height-wise, but I also stuck out a little bit. So no one picked me to be on the team. So I remember being so rejected. But I remember just, you know, kind of wallowing in my own self-pity, like, forget you guys, I won't play basketball anyways. So I then became a championship marble player. So there's a light at the end of the tunnel, kids. Well, in my own mind, I was champion marble player. It's just, I was probably playing by myself. <laughs> but, wow. Yeah. I thought this was the start of your wrestling career. That would have been even better. No. You should stick to that story, though, yeah. I think. I remember one time I got rejected. I was working at a church and uh, everybody was heading off to Palm Springs for uh, this uh, retreat going out and um, they were going to go get filled up by this speaker and I've gone a couple times. I was really excited because it was kind of a way to get away and maybe sneak out and play a little golf in Palm Springs. And as I was packing up and getting ready, I got the phone call. Hey, you're going to stay back and hold the fort. And kind of, I was the only one left behind. I felt so rejected. And it, he, the way it kind of went down was, oh, you're going to be the guy in charge now. And I'm like, in charge of what? Nobody's here. There's nothing going on. So it was me and a couple of administrators that week, and uh, it was kind of hilarious. And uh, like Justin said, I, I didn't feel uh, super loved, and uh, it was look. It, it looked like I was like in charge, and it was going to be a great thing. But really, I just felt rejected the whole week. Like you're in charge of the bathrooms. Make sure they're clean. <laughs> <laughs> well, that too. But that was just yeah. said. That was unsaid rule. That's terrible. That's like the worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it really is bad. I remember um, me, it was weird. I grew up playing soccer even as a kid, but for whatever reason, they always stuck me as goalie, which usually you put like the worst player as goalie. 
And in elementary school, we used to like have these huge games. And there was this game where someone got fouled, and they did we we're gonna do a penalty kick, and I was in goal, and I was like, you know, they were like trying to build me up, like, all right, you know, we're gonna we're gonna you're gonna stop this, we're gonna win, you know. I didn't stop the ball, and <laughs> they were super mad. They were super upset at me, and I just felt like so downcast and rejected because I couldn't stop the couldn't stop that uh, that penalty kick. It's hard. It's hard being here with a bunch of rejects. Uh, when I look at my life, uh, have I ever been rejected? No, of course not. Uh, the only time was. Uh, when I asked Tara, my lovely wife, I'm texting wanted, Tara, by the way. Yeah, well, it was her. It was her fault. So she was the one. Before we were dating, I asked her if she wanted to be my girlfriend. And uh, I, I took her out to a really, uh, really nice uh, restaurant. Uh, some might say it's creepy. It was a really dark uh, place off the beaten path. It was during her finals week. You know, she wasn't stressing out at all. And uh, there I asked her if she wanted to be. Uh, you know, probably the the best thing she could ever be my girlfriend, you know, and uh, she just flat out was like, no, <laughs> I'm not going to. And so it hurt, man. It hurt. Heartbroken. What did I do? I didn't give up, you know, because that's who I am. Just persistent. Right. And, uh, <laughs> awesome. Not in that door every day. That's yeah. <laughs> pretty much. You got to name a band after her. That's how you really win. Yeah. You named a band. You bought a $500 Phantom of the Opera ticket or something. Yeah. Dude, you spent a lot of money. Hey, man. Whatever it takes, bro. That's right. <laughs> Love has no price tag. Yeah. Uh, so uh, with that, uh, I just want to recap a little bit of where we've been in, uh, in the letter of, of Paul to the Romans. Uh, last week in our exploration of Romans chapter 10, Dustin led us. We, we talked about how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of the gospel. And we all held up our shoes. I was wearing uh, some rainbow sandals. Dustin was wearing like New Balance dad shoes. J-Rod was wearing Shelby's uh, band slippers or something. But uh, this good news of, of God's saving activity, it's all activity throughout space and time and eternity. And it produces faith in us. And not only that, it produces a salvation that becomes reality, this idea of being saved. But what happens is that God's people, his own chosen people, they reject it. And and how does that feel when your own people reject the good news? It's got a sting, but what do you do about it? And we're going to explore that tonight. So first up in Romans chapter 11, verses 1 through 10, we're going to explore how God did not reject Israel. So let's pull up the text here and dustin would you go ahead and read for us romans chapter 11 verse 1 yep i asked then has god rejected his own people the nation of israel of course not i myself as an, am an israelite a descendant of abraham and a member of the tribe of benjamin no god has not rejected his own people whom he chose from the very beginning do you realize what the scriptures say about this Elijah the prophet complained to God about the people of Israel and said, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And do you remember God's reply? He said, no, I have 7,000 others who have never bowed down to Baal. It is the same today for a few of the people of Israel have remained faithful because of God's grace, his undeserved kindness in choosing them. 
And since it was through God's kindness, then it is not by their good works. For in that case, God's grace would not be what it really is, free and undeserved. So this is a situation. Most of the people of Israel have not found the favor of God they are looking for so earnestly. A few have, the ones God has chosen. But the hearts of the rest were hardened. As the scriptures say, God has put them into a deep sleep. To this day, he has shut their eyes so they do not see, and closed their ears so they do not hear. Likewise, David said, let their bountiful table become a snare, a trap that makes them think all is well. Let their blessings cause them to stumble and let them get what they deserve. Let their eyes go blind so they cannot see and let their backs be bent forever. You want to break it down a little bit for us, bro? Yeah, I'll break that down. It just pretty much said it. Uh, we all need to take a deep sleep. So that's what I took out of scripture. Um, <laughs> but we're dealing with this this idea, what Paul's talking about with his own people, uh, this rejection of their gospel. But I believe what Paul's trying to say at the same time is that, um, look who we're talking about. I was also one of these people. I haven't been rejected. I haven't forsaken anything about it. So he's taking it back to a time of Elijah. He's bringing it forward to what they're talking about now. Um, but he continues talking about God's grace and his undeserved kindness. And for me, that continued sticking through um, that we will sometimes reject him. Others will reject him, but he stands true. It's his grace that he's given us. And that's always going to be the thing delivering us through. So we have been saved by his grace. It's nothing we can do. Uh, some people are just not going to be willing to accept that, but he showed time and time again that it's happened in the past. There's been those people. It's still carried through today, but there are a select few that have not rejected him. So uh, when it comes to rejection, what's what's our experience? What What is your guys' automatic impulse? Uh, do you retaliate by rejecting? Just like, you reject me, I reject you. Or, or do you seek to understand or you just do you just go ballistic? Sure. Do you want the Christian answer or I want the real? Answer? I want the real Jeff Rodriguez. Well, the Christian answer is, "Oh, brother, do whatever you want. I am so holy and righteous." But realistically, I'm going ballistic because that's who I am as a human being. And a lot of times, we don't want to be honest with ourselves. But the truth is, I'm a I'm an automatic, impulsive, go ballistic, and then go. Oh man, that was not very Christian. That was not very friendly. And what do I do to repair that? And if you guys know, a lot of times I then go back to that person and say, sorry, I acted like a jerk. I got rejected and I got hurt and my feelings were sore. So uh, yeah, I'm an automatic retaliate. I have to learn and still am learning how to not let the ballistic human side rear its ugly head. I'm a selfish, self-centered man. So yeah, I, I, I want to go ballistic every time. And it's taken a lot of times for me to pause and count to three and try not to say what I want to say or do and do in my head. So yeah, I'm a ballistic guy. Yeah. When you reject me, you're dead to me. So that's it. You're re I'm rejecting you from here on out. And it's going to take some time for me to, to bring some forgiveness in my heart. But, uh, so let that be a lesson. Don't, <laughs> don't pick me last for anything ever again, people, or else wow. the spite is coming. <laughs> or need some inner healing right there. There you yeah. go. <laughs> Wow. I know that's super hard. I don't know what it is about rejection, but it, it can really hit like what Dustin is saying. 
even jokingly, it can hit like this really deep root in our life. Like even from being picked last or rejected by uh, maybe someone you, you liked or at a dance or anything like that or a job even. It's a super, super deep thing. I think for me, my initial reaction is just to almost like burn the bridge and to kind of create like a wall, you know, like create like a, a almost like a fortified structure around my heart so that I won't have to feel the hurt or feel the pain. And it just, it just kind of allows you to live life kind of numb. And that's kind of what I've, I've typically reacted to that. Yeah. If, if you are tuning in on Facebook, you have the ability to write comments. What, what are you uh, when you feel rejected? Are you, are you a, a rejector? Are you an understander or are you uh, just someone who's ballistic? Uh, just be honest. Uh, feel free. No judgment here. Dustin will judge you, but no. A little bit of judgment. Will. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> but, uh, one thing that I, I came across uh, scrolling through Instagram the other day, I don't even know if it's true, but I, I found out that um, every time you don't react on your anger, like an, out of an angry impulse, you're actually rewiring your brain to be more calm. Sounds, sounds good, right? I don't know if it's true. But uh, how does God react to the rejection that he experiences? I think oftentimes, you know, when people read the Old Testament, like, you know, uh, Paul's talking about Elijah, and you, you, you see, like, this God that is angry or God that is wrathful or God that's like, you know, he saves. He, it's like he's almost uh, has two sides, right? He saves Israel from the Egyptians, and they're destroyed in Egypt. But I really see the, the character of God through Christ when even though he was being crucified and all these people were around him and he was saying, Father, you know, forgive them for they know not what they do and how even in that moment where people were torturing him and mocking him and ridiculing him that he was like still had an open heart and still wanted people to um, even receive him, right? And that was like such a powerful moment. And that's what we kind of see from the scripture, even though um, we see yeah, God still has chosen um Israel. He hasn't rejected him, right? There might be some that were are hardened heart, but he still has chosen them. So I, I think that's super interesting to think from God's perspective of that. Like we don't often think that he, um, that he experiences rejection or that he has those, those, uh, even those feelings. But I, it just amazes me how he just continues to choose uh, a people who are rebelling. Yeah, I mean, God's obviously emotional. Uh, we we are emotional because God uh, is emotional and has blessed us with emotions. Uh, and uh, like Matthew said a couple of weeks ago when we had him here on, on Journey Live, uh, just because it's it's hard doesn't mean it's bad. And when we look at the things in our lives, like you guys are talking about, uh, has God ever used something that seemed bad in your life to achieve ultimate good. I mean, for me, that's a, a testament of what a lot of my faith has come from. Uh, I can remember two times in particular where I'm sitting there in a hospital room uh, looking at separate times at the person that I love dearly. Um, I'm talking about my wife and my mother at two separate times where you have unexplained things going on and I have absolutely nothing I can do. But at the same time, this is a, a beginning part of my faith where I'm sitting there. Why would you put someone through this? Why does someone have to go through so much pain uh, themselves and put 
other people alongside with it. What at that time you're wondering what good can actually come from this when you're you're looking at one side of such you know cries of hurt and something you cannot say to console someone. Um, but as the days pass and the years go by and you look back and see how much closer you get to be to those people in the end is that that time brought us together and closer more than I could ever imagine because you're both vulnerable. You're both looking for hope. You're both looking for answers. So when I look back to the pain that they experienced and I was feeling at the same time of not being able to help them and seeing how big our God was in those circumstances and trusting him even more from those times, putting me into this position where he has me now. Um, I feel like our relationships are stronger than they've ever been. Uh, that's talking about me and my family, but also me and God. And the same thing for them, God's stronger in their life because of what they went through. So through the, through the rubble and through the ashes, you can be brought out like a phoenix. Oh, I like it. <laughs> this is- nice. Like the special effects. Hey, yeah. I, I was thinking about this question, Jeremy, and I was thinking about, isn't this how Journey started? Yeah. I mean, I mean, to be honest with you, almost 10 years ago, maybe a month or so ahead of now, maybe May, June, our lives kind of got rocked a little bit. And, uh, you know, I left the church and you stayed. And then one of my final things was to lead a missions trip. And as I showed up on this missions trip and everybody's like, oh, hey, there's Pastor Jeff. And everybody's like, Oh, he's not the pastor anymore. And uh, my heart sunk. And I remember having this moment where I'm like, oh, man, I'm rejected because I really am I'm not the pastor anymore. I'm just a guy leading a group of people on the trip. And I had to have this little walk and have this come to Jesus moment and go, man, am I ever going to be that again? Or am I going to go to the workforce and do uh, workplace ministry and really what happened was a group of people like yourself and my wife and a few others started to pray and, and God started to grow something out of something that didn't seem so good. Truthfully, my heart got kind of ripped out of me because I thought this was my, my job was going to be this, this missionary pastor at, my, at, at Crossroads. So, you know, something amazing happened and we're celebrating. We're coming up on 10 years in a couple months. So that really... What I thought was the worst part of, of ministry ends up being some of the best part. And serving with you, you guys are so fun. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's been a pretty amazing story. Yeah, definitely. Good, good stuff, you guys. Let's, uh, let's continue on with Romans. We're going to talk about Romans uh, 11, 11 through 24, and why Israel rejected the gospel. So let me just, I'm going to, I'm doing like three different things right now. So, um, you're a multitasker. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if it (laughs) works. So it begins, did, did God's people stumble and fall beyond recovery? Uh, Of course not. They were disobedient. So God made salvation available to the Gentiles. That is the, the non-Jews, but he wanted his own people to become jealous and claim it for themselves. Now, if the Gentiles were enriched because the people of Israel turned down God's offer of salvation, think how much greater a blessing the world will share when they finally accept it. I'm saying all this, especially for you Gentiles. God has appointed me as the apostle to the Gentiles. I stress this for I want somehow to make the people of Israel jealous of what you Gentiles have. So I might save some of them. 
For since their rejection meant that God offered salvation to the rest of the world, their acceptance will be even more wonderful. It will be life for those who were dead. And since Abraham and the other patriarchs were holy, their descendants will also be holy, just as the entire batch of dough is holy because the portion given as an offering is holy. For if the roots of the tree are holy, the branches will be too. Some of these branches from Abraham's trees, some of the people of Israel have been broken off. And you Gentiles who were branches from a wild olive tree have been grafted in. So now you also receive the blessing God has promised Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. But you must not brag about being grafted in to replace the branches that were broken off. You are just a branch, not the root. Well, you may say those branches were broken off to make room for me. Yes, but remember, those branches were broken off because they didn't believe in Christ, and you are there because you do believe. So don't think highly of yourself, but fear what could happen. For if God did not spare the original branches, he won't spare you either. Notice how God is both kind and severe. He is severe toward those who disobeyed, but kind to you if you continue to trust in his kindness. But if you stop trusting, you will also be cut off. And if the people of Israel turn from their unbelief, they will be grafted in again. For God has the power to graft them back into the tree. You, by nature, were a branch cut off from a wild olive tree. So if God was willing to do something contrary to nature by grafting you into his cultivated tree, he will be far more eager to graft the original branches back into the tree where they belong. A lot of stuff going on there, a lot to talk about. But what's crazy, what really comes off the page to me is about all this rejection of Jesus by some Jews has led to the gospel being preached to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews. Uh, God's able to use something as bad as unbelief for ultimate good, for the purpose of a larger mission. And it's crazy, right? But we actually see it unfold in the book of Acts. The, the Jewish religious authorities in chapters 7 and 8, they stone this man, this follower of Jesus, to death. His name is Stephen. And what's really interesting is, is that Paul was actually there. Paul, our author of Romans, was actually there. His name at the time was Saul of Tarsus, and he actually cooperated with the authorities who were carrying out the death of Stephen, this follower of Jesus. He actually, it says, held their cloaks as they stoned him to death, as they pelted him with stones. Acts 8, 1 says, Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. But this actually caused the early church to scatter and spread the gospel to the Gentile, non-Jew world. But this rejection of the gospel and it's spreading to the Gentiles. If you're a Gentile, you're like, man, look at me. I, I am now a, a part of the chosen people. I am now uh, receiving salvation. It could really puff you up. It could really make you prideful. And, and here in verses 17 through 24, Paul kind of corrects that. 
he says, you guys have no real reason to be prideful of, uh, on, on your own. You, you have done nothing. Do you realize branches were broken off so you could be grafted in? So the question I want to explore is, can believers be prideful when it comes to the promise of salvation? Like what fuels this and how can we combat the pride? I think a way is just kind of a reality check. I, I, I feel like sometimes when, as believers, we, it's, I think the longer that you're a believer, the more prideful, the more prone to pride that you can have because you stop remembering what it was like to, to be someone that was like lost or someone that was stuck in a, in a miserable, sinful condition, right? And, or someone that doesn't have any hope, but, but then after a while, you know, a couple of years and we get some Bible knowledge or we go to church and, and we start to forget in the sense of how uh, we were saved. And so it's like just remembering like, hey, we, were, we weren't like God's chosen people. You know, we were this wild olive tree, this branch that was grafted in. You know, he, we weren't the, the chosen people uh, descending from Abraham. And so it's just that reality check, you know, and also too remembering that it wasn't by our blood, it was by Jesus's blood. You know, I read, I heard this great um, quote that Dutch Sheets said, he's like, you know, we don't earn a close relationship with God by anything we do. It's, you know, Jesus was the one that earned that. He's the one that earned it by his blood so that we can have a close relationship with him. And it just hit me. It's just that reality check that, you know, I need in my life. And, and I, I'm, I know so, so many other Christians need that as well. That's awesome. Uh, what, what do you think, Jared? I was thinking about, and I've said this a couple of times, I think we've had this conversation before, uh, even on stage. But, you know, when we become new Christians, it's like that person that quits smoking. You know, they haven't had a cigarette in three weeks or four weeks, and they're like, oh, there's somebody smoking, and they're like, can see a pup. They become the biggest non-smoking person of all time, but they're only four weeks into it, right? It's the same with a new Christian. Sometimes you see somebody who gets into church and gets all fired up and starts reading, and, and, uh, and all of a sudden, everybody else is less than, and they're more because they've received this beautiful salvation gift. It happens quite a bit in the first year or two as people that – receive the receive God and also start reading they start seeing this enlightened holy spiritual movement inside of them and sometimes it gets puffed up and that's why for me I I early on got into a group of people to kind of continue to pop my pink cloud or my bubble to keep me back into the into the realm of reality and not floating above everybody else because sometimes the spiritual walk of God can be so fruitful and so impactful that you feel like it, it's about you and forget about it. it's not it's not about you it's really God. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting that sometimes we get frustrated um, because we feel like people aren't where they should be um, in their walk with Jesus. But then I realize in my own life, I'm like, dude, why why am I still dealing with the same stuff? Why am I? here instead of being where maybe I, I should be like 10 miles down the road. Uh, and it's, it's really humbling. Uh, it's a, a reality check. What do you think, Dustin? I see the wheels turning. You're, you're a pretty prideful, I mean, a uh, humble uh, type of guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know anything about Damn, pride. I almost just fell back in my chair. Right here. Uh, <laughs> no, that's one of the things, pride. I mean, that's one of the things we can always deal with. That's always going to be there. Um, 
it's part of our nature coming up. And the, the more notches you get on your belt, as even as a believer, you feel that you're maybe untouchable or <laughs> you feel that you can affect anybody. You're just the, the best there is at trying to bring people to Jesus. Um, I can remember back in my earlier days when I was starting to attend church a little more often and someone that had been in church for a little bit longer than I had was curious about why I, someone like me could work my way up to try to do something like this. And it's something like those type of questions where it's like, well, because anybody can, <laughs> that's the thing. Like uh, we, we continually try to make ourselves out to be something spectacular, but you said it perfectly a moment ago, Jeremy, it's the, the humbleness. That's mm-hmm. the thing. As we move forward, we have to hum- be humbled because we have no reason to be prideful because God's chosen us, all of us, and he's the one that, that saved us. So we have, we have zero to be super prideful about except who our Heavenly Father is. Can you say that line again? Uh, you said it perfectly, Jeremy? Yeah, that's right. That. You said it perfectly, Jeremy. I think that's kind of like an oxymoron kind of yeah. quote right there. Uh, I, there's a shout out to Dana Danielson. He and I have this conversation a lot where you feel like you've made some progress in your life on whatever issue you're dealing with. Let's just say it's on um, anger or whatever. Um, and you're like, I got this now. I, I've rewired my brain. I'm not angry anymore. I'm not, I'm not impulsive. I got this. And as soon as I say that or think that, you know, I, I've got a handle on this. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, there's always like a, an occasion or experience or a reminder that, you know, I, I don't. And like you said, like when it comes to our lives, we have no reason to be prideful, especially before God. Uh, let, let's move on to uh, Romans eleven twenty five through thirty five or through thirty two. The mystery of Israel's salvation. Jeffrey Bonesaw Barnett, you want to take that away for us? All right, let's do it. Go ahead. All right, it says I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will only. Uh, lasts until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. And so all Israel will be saved, as the scriptures say. The one who rescues will come from Jerusalem, and he will turn Israel away from ungodliness. And this is my covenant with them, that I will take away their sins. Many of the people of Israel are now enemies of the good news, and this benefits you Gentiles. Yet they are still the people he loves because he chose their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. Once you Gentiles were rebels against God, but when the people of Israel rebelled against him, God was merciful to you instead. Now they are the rebels, and God's mercy has come to you so that they too will share in God's mercy. For God has imprisoned everyone in disobedience so he could have mercy on everyone. Wow, that's, a, that's like a super, super uh, complicated passage. It's, it's very, very, it's like, it seems like, you know, Paul goes back and forth and he's like switching sides on this one. But it's, it's really this idea that God's ultimate purpose is, is yet to be uh, achieved. And that salvation is coming to the Gentiles and it's going to motivate, uh, it's going to give Israel a desire for, for salvation. It's like, it's going to make, like what we read even before, it's going uh, to raise up a, a jealousy 
right? And not, not jealousy in a, maybe an unhealthy sense where you're wanting, you know, your neighbor's car or something. It's like, it's desiring to have the fruit um, that they're going to see the Gentiles have. It's going to, it's going to, um, yeah, it's going to lead to them wanting to have that same hope, that same purpose. But what's kind of even um, crazier was it saying the, the verse that's, uh, I think in verse 26, that all Israel will be saved. And that can be pretty confusing because does all mean every Jew or does it mean a lot of people? Does, is, is, when they say Israel, does it mean the physical Israel, the nation of Israel, or is it the spiritual Israel? Or will be saved? What kind of salvation is that? Does that mean that they're going to have a, a king, you know, to deliver them, uh, to, to be like a nation, to have this like nationalistic or political salvation, or is this like a spiritual uh, salvation they're going to have? So there's a lot kind of in this. There's a lot um, in this little section. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to say like like uh ask me what i had for lunch today and i might have a different answer than you know after dinner based on what i'm eating because it's it's hard and there's there's a, a lot of confusion that comes with it uh, we may not have a, a perfect answer for it and that's okay it's okay to have that but what it, what's not okay is to feel superior and this air of superiority. So let's toss around that question. Why is it foolish today for Christians to feel superior to non-Christians? And let's just get rid of maybe the Christian lingo and say, why is it foolish? Let's just say, why is it stupid for Christians to feel superior to non-Christians? You know, for me, I was thinking about, um, I, I kind of learned that this Philippians 2-3 rule a long time ago. Um, which is thinking of others more than myself. And that was something that was hammered into me early on, you know, 14 or 15 years ago, studying the text. And the truth is, as I look at the Bible, as I look at, at reading the text and making it part of my life, it is the, that, that word foolish is really a great word because the text is constantly, especially in the New Testament, telling, telling us that God opposes the proud and, and he gives, gives grace to the humble. And he's always wanting me to look at you guys and everyone else that's turning in as that you're better than me or on equal par or way above me so that I have the right posture in, uh, in communicating with you from a homeless person to a, 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 an educator, to a business person, to someone that's on the couch looking for a job, to look at everybody as they have something to offer us and to, um, and, and to use that as a platform to grow the kingdom of God. So it is foolish when I do that because my purpose is uh, I, I need to be saved so that I can save other people. And I think that's what Christ told me a long time ago. I got to be saved so I can save other people. And when I put myself in some sort of hierarchy, I'm actually uh, bringing uh, people in a less than place and not in a place of hope and peace and love. That's great. Uh, fun fact about J-Rod is that uh, he and I, when we were doing youth ministry at Crossroads, um, probably, I don't know, a couple times a day, we would, um, we would do product testing. Uh, it was really important to make sure that all the games, yeah. all the, you know, foosball worked and the ping pong table and the, the pool table, all the video games. We, we needed to make sure like multiple times a day that it all worked. And the, the craziest part is that, that Jeff is so good at these these games it's incredible i don't know how he got so good at air hockey and ping pong all this stuff 
but I, and I would just get smoked by him. We would we would bet, we would gamble. It was bad uh, how how far we took it. But uh, I would always say that I would always say like God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Because I mean, there's something inside. There's a root of pride inside this man that uh, you don't you don't often get to see. <laughs> but no, it's it's this reality that 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 is just so true. And I, I thought about that and. You know, we are not superior in any way. Uh, Dustin, you're, you're kind of superior with your everything you've got going on, but I know you're also a humble dude. So tell us, enlighten us, brother. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, there's a famous rap song that says, uh, sit down, be humble. Yeah. That's what it is? That's all it is. Uh, but that's part of the thing. It's there's Spice Girls or uh, what, what rap are you listening to? Ew, that's Kendrick Lamar, son. This is, I'm straight up hood. Yeah, um, <laughs> but no, it, it, that's the huge point that we have to drive home. And it, it was in the scriptures a little bit ago. You're just a, we're just a branch. That's all we are. So we have to be humble. There's so many non-Christians out there that are currently at this moment, saving lives mm-hmm. and doing amazing work. Uh, so they are saving lives. And all I can do in hopes of, of being any different is to show them that love of Christ to, to maybe you know, get them saved later on. I have zero skills compared to other people of what they're able to do good in this world. Good, good can be done anywhere by anybody. Uh, and we all have a place that's going to be saved for us in the kingdom, but also we're all going to be used by God in some way. And some non-believers just haven't gotten that call yet. And they're still going to do good beyond those things. But just imagine how rejoicing we're all going to be once they get that call to be saved. So they're doing good. We're doing good. We're all on the same level playing field. We just need to continue making good, being better than the bad and the worst in the world. And we're kind of accomplishing the mission moving forward. Well, let's wrap up this passage here. Uh, Jeff, you want to take it away with uh, verses 33 through 36? Yeah. It says, oh... How great are God's riches in wisdom and knowledge. How impossible is it for us to understand his decisions and ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is attendant for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. You know, I love this. I love being able to give the close, the, the, the good section, because after all that crazy Israel stuff, uh, I love it. It's, it. You know, he comes to us and says, it's mercy for all. And, and I love this because I'm surrounded by a bunch of smart guys on this panel, really smart. If you guys don't know it, they are brilliant and bright in many different ways, not just educational. It's through experience and through wisdom and memory and, 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 and the way that they look at the text and the world. But even with all this wisdom here, God's knowledge is above human knowledge. That's the beauty of it is I look to a God and I read a text that's far beyond my thinking and it blows me away. It tells me how great is his, his riches and wisdom. And for me, his wisdom is my riches, if that makes sense. And uh, I, I'll never know his thoughts. I'm not, I'm not capable to really know his thoughts. I try and find his thoughts. I want to know more about him, but I'm really not a part of, of, of his thoughts. 
Uh, and and I love this last part. And, and I think at 34, it says, who has given him so much that he needs to be paid back? We all think we deserve so much from God. We all, oh, you, des- I deserve this, God. Look at what I've done. I'm tithing. I've watched the babies. I've, I've raised up leaders. Whatever I've done, I deserve this, God. So you need to pay me back. God's not like the government giving you a stimulus check just because you deserve something because we're in the pandemic. We don't deserve it. We actually owe him more or we owe him something. Too often we believe it's I deserve. And when I'm in this I deserve, that really sums up this whole thing about rejection and pride. When I'm in an I deserve place, I'm in this place that I'm going to be rejected in, in, in my relationship with God and others. And it's a very prideful place. Really, we owe God way more than what we get back from uh, than what we give. So what, what can you guys apply from this today? Uh, there's been a lot, but uh, maybe this section is uh, it's my favorite part about the whole, the whole thing. But what, what's something that we can apply today? And when I, I look at this, I just see over and over the ending of that last verse where it's intended for his glory. So that's how we can apply that today in my walk, that everything I'm doing, I'm intending for his glory. I'm changing the world or trying to, to just glorify him. It's nothing about me that we need to take that, that mentality for each and every one of us moving through. It's, it's not us. It's just, we're trying to be vessels for him. We're trying to make the world better because of him. So it's all intended for his glory. Everything comes from him exists by his power. So man, what a a great God. And I know there's so many people that have been affected by this at home too. So make sure you're commenting about this as you're listening along. I want to hear what what God's been doing and how you can use this to apply in your life too. What do you guys think? No, for me, it's just, it's so humbling. Like who, who, who knows enough to give God advice? Who can even understand all his ways or all his purposes? You know, he sees everything from beginning to end. And my life is just this little segment of that. You know, it's just a small little portion. You know, it would probably be like if it, if like all the time was like a, you know, like a Hollywood movie, like an hour and 30 minutes, like it'd literally be less than a second, just the one little second frame in that. And so it's like just realizing that there's a, a lot bigger story here going on. You know, like sometimes we, we, we just have this uh, very temporary uh, or just our viewpoint is just on now, but God is a God of the generations and he's working everything out throughout time. Even when it doesn't make sense and it seems like a, a jumbled mess, he's going to take that, he's going to splice it, cut it, put it together, and it's going to be a coherent story and it's going to be beautiful in the end. Does it make sense all the time? Absolutely not, you know. But then again, even my life, I know a lot of people, a lot of life, you know, doesn't necessarily make sense, but somehow God uses it and puts it together and and makes something glorious from that. It's kind of interesting to me uh, to think about it. Being a pastor and being around four, uh, three other pastors, we get this conversation about, oh, good message, do good job, do this. And it kind of fills us up for, uh, with pride sometimes. And we have to constantly say, man, that was good. I'm glad you got something, but that was really God working through me and it had nothing to do with me. I remember driving home with my daughter about a year and a half ago and my phone was blowing up like it normally does. And at one point I'm like, I, I got to take this call. Somebody was going, 
through a moment of crisis and I worked through this whole thing and it was pretty severe. And, um, my, my, I hung up the phone and my daughter said, dad, why do these people want to talk to you? And I said, honey, I have no idea. I have no personal wisdom besides a bunch of bad experiences in my life and a bunch of crazy things that I did. And I know God uses that stuff, but the truth is the only thing that I can apply is his word and what he's done in his word in my own life so that it can be applicable to other people's life. I use the things that have happened to me and the stupidity that I've done as application. Don't do this, but look at what God says and try and miss uh, all the pain and suffering that we do when we follow our selfish will. So for me, my wisdom and my knowledge and anything I have has been all brought from understanding God and all the wrongs that I've done, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Let's hear it, guys. Final thought. I mean, it, it can be about this. It can be about whatever's going on right now uh how are you getting through quarantine how how uh how are you surviving right now Just, i mean whatever what's what's on your heart what's on your mind um eeny meeny miny mo dustin you're up i'm just thankful for letting him include me to be one of these branches that's just thank you for for including me god in your plan and using me any way that you can so i'm just thankful for that that's it that's it. Final thought. <laughs> I was thinking about my final thought. Uh, Jeremy, thanks for all the sporting uh, stuff that we used to do. Yeah. So good. That was so fun. And I, right. I, I think you forgot to tell everybody how we would always play these games and I would win them. And so then you'd want to play Wii baseball and stuff because that's the only thing you could beat me on. And I'm like, what do you want to do today? Let's play Wii. And I'm like, dude, I haven't won in like six months. <laughs> and uh, that's all he wanted to play because that's the one that he could win. And so, and then he'd beat me by like three or four runs and walk off. Woo! Right. So good. So, right. Uh, but uh, I, I'm just like Dustin. I'm grateful to be a part of the, uh, you know, the branch of God and part of a group like you guys. Seriously, my my life is so much better because of you and you that are watching. Please chime in and uh, uh, make some comments about what you're hearing and 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 give us some feedback. We love the comments and feedback. It really shows us that we're tracking on uh, with you and you're tracking with us. I got uh, I got two thoughts here. First one is when all this goes back to normal, we're going to go to golf and stuff, and we're going to have a shootout. We're going to see. Okay. We're going to see. We're going to actually, you know, the numbers won't lie. We're going to find out who's the best one here at mini golf. Right. Bring that. Bring that uh, banner. Uh, that uh, belt, Dustin. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to post it online. We'll do a video. We're going to show you guys. You know, who's the king of mini golf and. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna have bragging rights for the whole year. So that's that's one thought, you know, just that, that fond memory. But but another thing too is just really for me, it's just uh, not focusing on what I can't do, but focusing on what I can do right now. I think for the first few weeks, I was just focused on all the things I couldn't do. But it's actually been an interesting time because I've I've kind of discovered some new things, or new hobbies, some interests even that have been a lot of fun. So yeah, like I've been doing a puzzle, like a thousand piece puzzle. Which, uh, yeah, it was like torture, but it's just something new that I haven't really done, you know, other different projects. And so I just encourage you guys to do that. Even my prayer life has gotten better um, just with that. I have a lot of time and, and I pray and I love to pray for people. So I just encourage everyone at home to, yeah, to try something new. That's awesome. 
Uh, I was going to say that Dustin, uh, you are you are a, a branch and happy to be a branch. He was actually a branch uh, during a sermon that uh, I gave one time. It was uh, the the one about Jonah and he's pouting and and God causes this tree to sprout up and Dustin was the tree. He was holding branches. He was wearing camouflage and everything and a hat made of like palm fronds and that's what you are, man. You just I'm I'm, I'm your prop man. There's another word for it, but in church terms, I'm your prop man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're just so grateful uh, to have this, to interact with, with everybody uh, in this medium. Uh, we're grateful for you tuning in. And, uh, you know, this is, this is what it is. And the beauty is one day this will end. And uh, things can go back to normal. And uh, we're going we're gonna to praise God right now through it. And that's, that's what we can do. Because even in the difficult times, even in the bad times, uh, God's still working and bringing about his purposes. And uh, we're grateful to be on the, the right side of that. So with that, thank you guys. Thank you to this wonderful panel. We're so grateful for you all. I have one final question. What does it say? What does the sign say above you, J-Rod? It says fellowship we enjoy or something. I, oh, yep. Oh, and in this fellowship we enjoy and in this fellowship we enjoy and then there's another sign that says the eternal life and promise to us i like it i like it well thank you guys this has been real see you next time later